What we've got here is failure to communicate. Found to communicate. This is episode 261 of the podcast where we talk about movies, TV, video games, and mixed martial arts. What's up, Brooks? Not much, man. How about you? Oh, I don't know. This is so unnatural to go into <laughs> a little anecdote here. <laughs> uh, so went to wine bingo this past no, week. This past weekend. It's uh, it was this thing. My obviously, my wife decided to do for us, and uh, we got the in-laws to watch the kids for the night, and uh, we went to this like small vineyard, this small little room at a vineyard where about forty or fifty white people sat and played uh, ten games of bingo. Where instead of like B twelve, I twenty two, it was just like phrases. That were something to do with wine. Oh, uh, yeah. So it was like a, What's that? Um, Legends. Legends Vineyard. Yeah. Uh, up in Bel Air. And, uh, yeah, so it was like bung was one of the words. Uh, PMS was one of the words. I don't know what these had to do with wine, but I thought it was funny. Wine when she's PMSing. And then maybe she'll let you do the bung. <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> me and uh <laughs> me and Sam, uh we both won a game. Nice, nice. Oh, bingo, yeah. There was only ten games and we won two and then her brother won one, so we won three out of the ten. Nice. Uh my brother her, her my brother in law brought his new girlfriend, it was the first time we met her. She seems cool. Hopefully she sticks oh. around. My sister and her friend were there. They were losers, though. So. Yeah, I thought it might have been Drew. I was going to say they fall asleep. No, it was Sean. It was Sean. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Sean Brady. I know you're not listening, but holla. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, what was I going to say? Yeah, so we, we came away with, like, five or six bottles of wine, like a rabbit. Not that rabbit. A rabbit uh, w- uh, wine uh, opener, you know, cork opener. I'm, I don't drink a lot. So, I don't know. <laughs> a rabbit bottle opener. Never heard of it. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and then, uh, like, uh, one of those metal containers, fancy metal containers that you put wine and some ice in. It was pretty uh, cool. It was uh, something different to do. I mean, it was... I don't know. I wouldn't do it again, probably, but... To try something yeah. new. It was kind of cool. Speaking of something I would never do again, Saturday, me and Jesse decided to go to Baltimore Museum of Art. Um, we Go on. Well, we had a few drinks at the bar and came up with this bright idea to take an Uber to the Baltimore Museum of Art. Nice. And uh, yeah, it was cool. It was probably, it's not really my cup of tea. I'd rather go to like an actual museum. Like the Smithsonian stuff, I like going to that, but yeah. not much of an art critic, but it was cool to go do once, I suppose. 
What would you give it out of ten? Uh, I mean, it's a cool place. It's really well put together. Probably like a seven. You just said you were not an art critic, and then you literally <laughs> gave it a grade. Uh, I, semi-related. Oh. I went to the science center two weeks ago. Yeah. Took the nice. kids to the science center. Um, it like hasn't changed since I went there, and when I was seven, it's like exactly the same. Yeah, it's, uh, they have that, like, space room still. Space Okay, maybe it's changed, because I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I forget, uh, you mean planetarium. Like, oh, yeah, we did do the planetarium. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, like, a 15-minute movie about the sun, and it's, like, the whole entire ceiling is a screen. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that was actually pretty cool. And then me and my uh, daughter did the hurricane uh, simulation. Yeah. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Brady was in there for like a second and he was like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it was, it was cool. And next week I'm going to see Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds live in concert. Holy crap. That's awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to that. So I'll, I'll, I'll bring reviews next of that Sweet. show next, uh, next episode. Yeah. Going to the Maryland basketball game Saturday, so I have something to put about that. Who are they playing? I think Northwestern. Hmm. Not exactly positive. I just got a random call today that, uh, and a free ticket, so I'm in. You're in. I'm uh, and I'm out of Maryland basketball because they suck. So <laughs> <laughs> they are not very good. But it'll still be cool though. Have you ever been before? I went to a game probably 10 years ago. We played like American or something and beat them by like 80 uh, points. Yeah, I remember that game. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think you were there. Oh, well then I definitely remember it. Yeah, we sat like the last row. Of the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seats are like 90 degree angle. Yeah, yeah. You definitely let me know what it's like and we'll recant all of our stories. <sighs> I will. I've been I to will. some... Uh, pretty cool games uh it's really? it's fun to go to the maryland basketball games even if they're not great or you know it's a fun yeah. time college you know that good energy good vibe and this will be more than just a you know crappy early season game for you so yeah i'm, figuring I'm gonna dress up in some maryland gear and try to sneak into the student section <laughs> all right <laughs> go for it dude <laughs> all right let's get into the topic at hand, which I did not set up yet, so <laughs> I will do so now. Uh, in our movie section, we're going to have two uh, reviews slash movies we're going to discuss, Lady Bird and The Florida Project, and then we'll talk about what else we watched. We'll cover all the Super Bowl trailers that played this past weekend at the Super Bowl, which will segue nicely into the TV section where we'll discuss the actual Super Bowl briefly. I don't know how much we'll have to say about it, but it's the only TV that I've got anyway this week. Yeah. Then, MMA is on TV, so we'll segue into the MMA section, recap Fight Night 125, preview UFC 221, go over some news, and then segue once more to the video game section where we have a couple uh, video, I mean MMA-related video games to discuss. Yeah, yep. It's nicely. It's just super smooth. I mean, we just flow. We're just flowing like Conor McGregor when he does those weird, bizarre workouts. 
<laughs> First up, let's let's talk about it. Lady Bird nominated for Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, Best Director, probably Screenplay. I don't have the list up, but I'm, it's like nominated for a bunch of stuff. And uh, this is a movie directed by. <laughs> Shit, I should have definitely pulled this up, right? Way <laughs> <laughs> to go with the flow. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> Lady Bird is directed by dun, 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 Greta Gerwig, her directorial debut. She's an actress. She's been in a bunch of movies. You probably don't know because you suck. Yep. So you would definitely recognize her. Uh, she was in Francis Ha. Mistress America <laughs> and Rain and Bell. Alright, maybe you wouldn't even recognize her, but she I do. And she's she's married to um Noah Baumbach who directed the Meyerwood stories, which I know you like. So looks like his skills are rubbing off on her as well as probably a lot of other things, but uh starring Saoirse Ronan, Laurie Metcalf, Tracy Letts, Timothy Chalamet, who's also in um, Call Me By Your Name, the main character in that, Lucas Hedges, and some other people I don't know. Uh, plot synopsis I'll give real quick, really quick, because you know it's more like a slice of life, coming of age tale, but in 2002, an artistically inclined 17-year-old girl comes of age, told you, in Sacramento, California. Yeah. Now, you said you were looking forward to seeing this, but did you know much about it? And uh, I knew next to nothing about it. Um, I I just I heard there was like a lot of buzz about it, and uh, seriously, running, I won a globe, uh, Golden Globe. So, and like you said, it's been nominated for a bunch of Oscars. So, I knew there was a lot of hype. Didn't know anything about it. Um, I want to guess what you thought about it. Okay. Okay. All right. So. Yeah, I know you liked Boyhood a lot, and yeah. I'd say this is, obviously it's not shot in the same way of, like, over 12 years, and but it's kind of a, like, take the year 17 part of Boyhood out, stretch it out to an hour and a half, flip the gender, it's kind of like, you know, a slice of life coming of age, down to earth, realistic, funny, dramatic movie, um... But you hate women, so I'll say six and a half hours. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I think you. I think you liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. Of course, I'm a sucker for coming of age movies. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Thought it was great. I was like a little tripped out because uh, Seriously Ronan's has like the thickest Irish accent of all time. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I let me out. I love Irish accents, but she did a very, very good uh, American accent in this movie. That I'm is true. That. that is the big takeaway. No, she did a good job. Um, yeah, she's an awesome actress. I mean, she's still really young, surprisingly yeah. young for as long as she's been around. Uh, yeah, she's fantastic in the lead role here. Very relatable, down to earth, like, but not perfect far from it you know she's a very flawed character but relatable in a way that you know everyone's flawed when they're 16 17 years old yeah definitely uh I, yeah i thought it was really good um exceeded my expectations by far um i thought uh what's the kid from 
call me by your name's name. Uh, Timothy Chalamet. He's really good in this, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, for being to be a jackass. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but so, <laughs> such, a, such a different character from Call Me By Your Name. I mean, what a year this guy is having. Yeah, right. Just two great performances in two, you know, Best Picture nominated films. He's nominated for Best Actor. Uh, yeah, he's like a complete pretentious, thinks he's cooler than he is, douchebag. But not. I don't think his character is like a bad kid. I think he's just, you know, same way that Sarah Sharonin's character has her flaws. He's just 17. Oh, yeah, you're young and impressionable. Yeah. And Absolutely. He's like the stereotypical, like, kid, college kid in one of these type of movies. Like, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep, I do. I do know what you mean. And <laughs> Lucas Hedges from Manchester by the Sea, he's here as like her boyfriend, who she finds or he tells her she that he's gay, and to keep it a secret. Like I thought that was another interesting perspective for. Uh, it's like a obviously the movie's mostly about her, but you also touch on these other characters and their experiences. Yeah, in high school. Um, I totally called that. By the way. Well. Yeah. I think well, when a girl tells you, you know, you can touch my tits, I respect you way too much to touch your tits. <laughs> but at the same time, if you're just like a nervous, no, no, virginal just, kid, yeah. like, come on, I, I, I'm not gay, and I might have said something like that when I was 16. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I would, I would have went right for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would have, but. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I I think I like that relationship. How they were like head over heels. Uh, then she finds that out, um, and it holds a serious, serious grudge for a long time until they kind of re. Uh, he basically just comes to her and asks yeah. her not to tell anybody, and uh, she so she sees him in a different light, and they become good friends again. Yeah, see, I like that about her character. Even though, you know, she's acting out all the time, she's kind of a bitch, like, almost intentionally sometimes. But then, yeah. at the end of the day, she always kind of falls on the the side of good when uh, push comes to shove. After just, yeah. like, going through all the motions, I think she, she usually lands on the right uh, response. Like even yeah, even with her really... with her parents who I thought were like the best characters in the movie, uh, Laurie Metcalf as her mom, fantastic, yeah, nominated really, really good. nominated for best supporting actress. Tracy Letts, I loved him as her father. Uh, there's a hilarious scene where he goes for a job interview and he runs into his son who's going for the same exact job. Yeah, and it's like I don't think they ever said anything. It's been a little bit since I've seen it, but. It's almost just assumed, like, yeah, the son's probably better qualified for this job. Yeah, well, yeah, when the dad's in the interview, the guy's doing the interview, it's like, all these programmers are t kids, like, they're babies. Right, so, yeah. Kind of implies. But I loved the relationship between uh, Lady Bird and her, and her mom and her dad separately, like, especially the mom. That seemed like such a realistic natural like constantly arguing constantly fighting but then at the same time she's always defending her mom to whenever anybody outside of her family says anything about her yeah absolutely. and 
there's like that awesome scene where they're like clothes shopping or something, bickering, bickering, bickering. Oh, this look dress would be nice. Perfect. Oh yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like that super like something I can relate to even with Sam, my wife, where it's like you're fighting over the stupidest, smallest things, bickering, but then something will come up that you agree on, and it's all of a sudden you're real pleasant, and I don't know, just a yeah. natural, like when you're so close to someone, so comfortable with them, like, it it doesn't even, uh, I don't know how to say it, but just thought yeah, it yeah. captured that just piece of a very close relationship very well. Yeah, like you said, she's always defending her mom, like, uh... The boyfriend that ends up being gay, they're talking, and he's like, Your mom's crazy. I'm scared of her. She's like, She's not crazy. She's just got a big heart. Yeah, exactly. But but, minutes later, was bitching about her herself. Yeah, and uh, yeah, never tells her mom what she thinks about her truly, which, again, another teenage thing trouble expressing emotions and opinions. Yeah. Yeah. And then the father, like, super depressed guy, but also, like, the coolest dad, right? Even despite oh, yeah. it all. And no, I wouldn't really say a pushover, but he's like, uh, I think he sees like the relationship between her and her mom, how it gets, uh, contentious. Yeah. Yeah. Contentious. And then he like kind of middle grounds that. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Helps her out with like what she, I mean, she, uh, a lot of the movies about how she wants to go to like a New York art school or something. And her mom, I mean, they, get in the fights where they say like mean mean shit about each other oh yeah but then, then her dad's like there to like help her out and try to see her achieve her dreams kind of thing yeah and you can totally re- at least i can relate and see this relationship and how even the parents relationship with each other works you know it's almost yeah. kind of similar where they're so different but they balance each other enough to make ends meet yeah um, what else? I thought, uh, as far as the direction goes, I thought, like, I think it's her debut. If not, it's, she might have had, like, a very small film a while ago, but, uh, Greta Gerwig did a really great job, and obviously this must have been a lot of, like, her own experiences she put into this movie. I'm sure it's, like, basically her relationship with her mom when she was growing up, but... I just thought she played all the notes right. It looked good. I thought, like, just the quality of the film and the camera work was all nice from what I remember. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, throughout the movie, it's, like, woven in with this loathing of Sacramento, where she lives, and how she hates it. That's Um, true. It does, like, a flip on itself in the end, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's a spoiler, but... I mean... I guess it's really not. Yeah. It's such a small-time movie. I mean, there's not even much plot to the movie, which is what I yeah, like about it. Yeah, there's really to spoil it. It's like, it's just a, I guess, like a year in this girl's life, maybe a little more, but... Yeah. But she constantly is loathing Sacramento and how she hates it. It's the Midwest of California, wants to go to New York and all this shit, and finally goes away to college and basically ends... Realizing she has actual love for her hometown and where she's from. Yeah, and that's kind of reminds me of the end of Boyhood too, right? Yeah. When he's kind of going away to college, and anyway, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's like my favorite kind of movie is one with almost no plot, where it's mostly just character development and. Yeah, you needed no resolution here or anything. Yeah. It was- 
like there could even be a sequel where you catch up with her like 10 years down the line or yeah. not like a sequel like uh, Star Wars 2 or you know episode 8 or anything yeah, like yeah. that but like just a, like a continuation spiritual of... successor continue yeah continuing someone's story I'd be totally into that yeah I re- I guess I haven't really said it but I I didn't love 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 the movie as as much as some people did but I certainly enjoyed it tremendously I thought it was really really good one of the best movies of the year I think yeah. I have it like I could look it up, but I think I have it like eight or nine on the year for me, and yeah, I think the hype is worth it. I mean, I could see it being, especially for like a a younger, like someone of that age, a girl around that age, or even someone who had been through some of that stuff more exactly, you know, I could see it working even more well for them. And it's, you know, there's so many coming-of-age stories for for guys, for, like, you know, boys, yeah. adolescent boys. It, it's cool to, you know, get one for for the girls out there. Yeah, definitely, and it's not like you won't like the movie if you're not. No, absolutely, yeah. Love that. I thought this movie was really good. And like you said, we were talking last week, I didn't, we didn't know if uh, the Golden Globe she won was for comedy or drama, which I still don't know, but uh, I could see how this would be could be categorized as a drama. Yeah, I think it was comedy, but yeah, you could go either way here, and it works. Yeah, it is funny. It is a funny movie, but it's also like good in a serious, dramatic way too. Yeah, it's definitely like some real funny parts. Like her 18th birthday, she immediately goes to the gas station and buys cigarettes, a scratch off, and a playgirl. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That was good. <laughs> Sits out front of the gas station, smoking a cigarette and looking at a porn man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by herself. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that kind of reminds me of my 18th birthday, except yep. it wasn't Playgirl. Um, <laughs> it was uh, first, all right, I think, yeah, I was driving around with my buddies, and I think we went to like 7-Eleven that night, and I got a, bought a pack of cigarettes, but gave them to someone else, because I'm def- I would never really smoked or anything. But I, yeah. first, I tried to, <laughs> I was buying a porn magazine. Porno mag, and uh, I, I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm just doing this to do it. I don't really care. Um, yeah. Give me the uh, voluptuous. And it was like, all like obese women. I'm like, um, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter, but maybe something else, you know. Maybe, maybe I'll go with hus- Hustler. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. Voluptuous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just like looking at. What was behind the thing? I'm like that sounds yeah. exotic. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, uh, one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, this, this movie definitely has like some good lighthearted moments and uh, some uh, <coughs> uh, serious like dramedy. Yeah, I guess the last thing we didn't really touch on her relationship with her friend, like the girl, right? Um, she's more of like a, a nerdier girl. More yeah, of like a, uh, a goody good, like I kind of was in school. So that was pretty realistic too. I mean, that's was probably some of the stuff that is most seen in other movies like this, where it's like, you know, they're great friends and then they kind of have their differences, go their different ways before kind of finding their way back to each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, they definitely, uh, I guess, found their way back. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, even when she became friends with the other girl. I still enjoyed those parts of that relationship. 
up until she gets busted for lying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's I like mean, afraid to admit that she's not one of the rich people. Right. And there's that cool scene where, you know, she's her and her friend love Dave Matthews band, right, and that song. And then she's with the cool kids and they're like making fun of it. And she finally like steps up and is like, you know what? I don't care if you guys don't like it. I love this song. Yeah. Like it's that small act of rebellion but huge in, you know, a teenager's life where they actually, you know, appreciated who they were and just stood up for what they liked. Yeah, definitely. So, yep. But yeah, it was... uh... It's a great movie, yeah. Yeah, Uh, it really is. I enjoyed it. Like I said, I there's not many coming of age movies that I don't like. I'm a sucker for them. Yeah, me too. It is one of my favorite genres. Even if they all kind of do similar things, there's always, I don't know, they're always bringing you back to the days when you were that age or... They usually at least get something right. So, but this one gets a heck of a lot right, in my opinion. I'd say it's a eight and a half out of ten for me. Yeah, I would have to agree. Eight and a half, nine out of ten for, nice. uh, for what it is. Beautiful, beautiful. Let's move on to another one of my favorite movies of 2017, <laughs> uh, The Florida Project, starring. Um, pull it up, Brooklyn Prince as. Mooney. Uh, she is a. Hold on. Set over one summer. The film follows precocious. Precocious. Six year old Mooney as she courts mischief in adventure with her ragtag playmates in bonds with her rebellious but caring mother, all I living in the shadows of Walt Disney World. It also stars. Uh, uh, Bria Vinite as her mom and Willem Dafoe as Bobby, the. The hotel or motel, uh, like owner slash manager guy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so <laughs> I can't believe you didn't like this movie. Uh, it was atrociously bad. That's so stupid. I would love to hear why you like this movie. Okay, and then I want to hear why you didn't. Okay, so okay. this, again, one of my favorite kinds of movies. This was. Where it's not not much plot, even less plot than Lady Bird, right? It's yeah. just very slice of life, character development, following these characters, uh, especially Mooney, Brooklyn Prince, and Willem Dafoe, who I thought was gave the best performance of his career, the best character in the in the movie. Um, That's true. He's incredible in this movie. He should win best supporting actor, but it it's, it doesn't look like it's going to go his way, unfortunately. Uh, Hold on, I'm just looking up the uh, director's name. Sean Baker. Yeah, Sean Baker. He directed Tangerine a couple years ago, which was um, which followed the transsexual women prostitutes in uh, L.A. that was shot entirely on an iPhone. And it was kind of sim- similar to this, where it was very slice of life and character-driven but yeah. I like that movie a lot too. But I like this one even more. This movie reminds me of American Honey, which I thought you liked. I I guess the way it shot a bit, but like it's more about these low lower class people who are in this situation where they ha- they're just living out of a motel, you know, day to day, week to week, you know, trying to make ends meet. They're not the most, you know. 
developed when it comes to the niceties of normal civilization, so to speak. Yeah. And I do like that, you know, Walt Disney World, I mean, it's literally right there. And, you know, the most magical, most fabulous place on earth is right there where all these, you know, well-to-do people are enjoying this, these rides and adventures. And then you have, like, a few blocks away, this rundown motel with all these people living in squalor, including a, a young girl who seems, you know, like all the potential in the world. She seems smart for, you know, yeah. the situation she's in. But because of the situation she's in, she's just getting into trouble constantly. Um, I thought the movie was very funny. I thought it was pretty hilarious at times, especially the scene when <laughs> that lady is laying out topless. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're like... Uh, calling out <laughs> yeah and then Willem Dafoe is trying to get her to cover up and they just keep mocking her or shouting stuff out And <laughs> like, they're all, I just love the way this group is always getting into trouble I mean none of these are characters that I would really like to spend time with in the real world but as a you know I'm just watching a movie uh, I really enjoyed following you know their adventures <clears throat> yeah uh, now I will say William Dafoe is definitely the best part of the movie yeah by a long shot. Um, however, I just thought it was... I I thought there was no real character development. It felt like just endless cuts of filler scenes to me. Yeah, I With love no, it. That's what I love about it. It was just... It's kind of like Boyhood, though. It's not the big moments. It's the in-between. No, it's but the, not even really. It was like... The boyhood, there was like real life... There was like substance to it. There was just constant scenes of this girl who that is like, their life they, man. <laughs> like that is but, what but it was there was nothing to it they were it was just her her friends eating ice cream or drinking soda or maybe getting into trouble here and there but yeah I like mean, you said these people are living in squalor and their mom's a fucking nut job well yeah that's and true th- but th- throughout the majority of the movie besides getting in trouble and you can see that bad influence there's no real like showing of uh this being like her being like sad about it or have I mean, any like real ramifications of it. I feel like, I don't know this, there, this is based off real people that live in this type of situation. And, and I, well, and if, so if it is, I also felt like it was very whitewashed for the situation, uh, situation that it was portraying. That could um, be, I don't know. You know, I mean, that's, well, I just mean, um, like this girl's mom is a prostitute and, basically yeah and they also rip people off at disney world and sell perfumes to people in the street but they don't really go into at all like they show her smoking weed but in all reality if this lady's living that way and we're constantly struggling there's got to be some kind of drug addiction probably involved in it or it's certainly possible i think yeah because you're getting it from the little girl's perspective mostly so like I thought there were some powerful scenes like when the gr- the girl's in the bath, right? She gets her bath, she's in there, the door's locked. You slowly realize as the movie goes on that every time she's getting her bath, like usually the mom has a, a client, a John, in the other room. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty intense. Yeah. You only see I, it from the little girl's perspective. Yeah. Um, I get it, but it was just... 
But I just I, I liked how I thought it could be done more powerfully. I suppose I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't hate you for not liking it. I'm just trying to make the case here. But yeah, um, yeah, me too. And um, I don't know. It's I, just, like, I just I like that clearly as messed up as wacky as you know is entirely like the ending like uh not the ending ending but the the near ending like that is very deserved and probably best for all parties involved but still incredibly yeah. sad because clearly no matter what uh that she does either one did like they loved each other. The mom and the daughter oh, loved each other. There's real love there, and it's a sad situation, even though it's probably the right call. Which was that really even her mom? I think it was. I don't think. I mean, I don't know. It's at one point William Defoe says to her, "If your friend puts you in charge of her kid." Oh, that was the the buddy, the her friend. Remember Scoot. the the little boy? I think right. Scooter Scooty. Yeah, that was not her son. That was the the the. Uh, other. I thought he was talking about uh, whatever her name is. Mooney. Yeah. No, because then I love that scene at the restaurant too, when they just order food over and over and over. Yeah, because they're her and her friend are fighting. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. I liked all the past. Like you can, I just liked how you could read into the situation based off context clues because it's you know just like a kid would slowly get things here and there. Like wait, that's weird. I don't know. Yeah, and, and I, I guess. Go ahead. Like, like you said, it, I guess it is from the little girl's perspective. I thought, I don't know, the way it was portrayed, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was from the little girl's perspective to me. It was just, uh, I don't know, I guess it's hard to be in the mind of a little kid like that, but it just it seemed to be, like there were scenes of the mom that would not be from the little girl's perspective, and I still, like, I felt like they were whitewashed and there was too many redeeming qualities to the mom because she was batshit crazy and a terrible mother and they like constantly threw in like a part where she had a redeemable factor like was really good to this girl in reality like I said it was if you're prostituting and selling perfumes and ripping people up there was I just felt like like when uh, CPS finally comes she cleans the whole place up and gives away her weed. Like, that was, like, the big problem. I just, I don't know. I thought that was just hmm. a bit, like, a whitewash factor to it. But There's, she also slaps a used tampon onto uh, <laughs> the windshield. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, with, how do you feel about the ending ending? Uh, it gets a little uh, mystical the last minute or two. Like oh, Yeah, uh... A lot it's, of people have I, a lot of people have issues cheap. with it. Um, Sorry, now being from like a little kid's perspective, uh, being from the little girl's perspective, I guess that's a good way to end it. But what the fuck? Like, I don't know. I didn't I mind. Didn't it. I didn't think it was. I mean, I didn't love it. I didn't think it was as great. Like, it kind of felt like, how do we end this without being like super depressing? Yeah. Right, but I mean, I didn't hate it. I see what he's going for, but it's not my favorite part of the movie. But I mean, it was like 
clearly uh, it was just like a dream sequence in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was like it freaked me out for a second. I mean, can we say what happened or? Yeah, you know, slight spoiler. Oh, it is spoilers, but again, it's much like Ladybird. I mean, this. Yeah, there's no a, real. There's no plot. Yeah. Really, uh, you know. Like when she goes down to the Mexicans' place, I, I don't know if that's the wrong way to say it, but she goes down to her friend's house and knocks on the door and is like starts crying to her friend. And like the frame rate or something changes for a second, right? Yeah, in a way, yeah, kind of like. And there's a soundtrack behind them, yeah. and they just take off running. And she just grabs. She's like, I can't stay here anymore. And she just grabs her hand and. They run to Disneyland and run towards Cinderella's castle. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's, I don't know what it's supposed to imply. I think it's like, you know, really, what really happened is, you know, they called him very quickly after and yeah, she got sent away and that's the last time she ever saw her friend again. But, you know, from like a kid's imagination standpoint, I think they escaped into Disney World and lived there happily ever after. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it just doesn't do anything for me, man. It was no. It's fair. It's fair. It's not for everyone. I certainly. I just thought you were better than most people. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. No. no I, I I really wanted to like you spoke pretty highly of this movie, and I was looking forward to it. I actually I watched it in full today. I started watching it a few days ago, and I fell asleep like twenty minutes in, and I woke up like forty minutes later to kids still screeching and i was like what the fuck is going on in this movie? <laughs> yeah no it's not for everyone but if you like you know the movie we're describing i think you know you'll know yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's not the performances are not bad at all i thought the little girl who plays mooney did oh, a yeah. very good job he's awesome mom did good job william defoe was like my favorite part of the movie it's an unusual character for him in a way yeah i just love the way sean baker uses non-actors or like you know maybe not non-actors but clearly like early actor like nah you know mooney i think she's she was an instagram star or something and not really. i mean she gave a really natural performance i don't know if we'll ever see these people again in in film but at least for this movie and in this role they they knocked it out of the park and i really liked Willem Dafoe's relationship with his son, which was only a couple scenes in the movie, but you really gleaned a lot going on from there in just like two short scenes, where yeah, yeah. this is a guy with a family and he kind of just left him to run this place because he thinks it's important. You know, he's like kind of yeah. uh, a guardian angel of these kids, these you know these lost kids, and uh, we forgot to mention there's a scene with like a pedophile. Creepy. Oh yeah, that's a really good scene. That is an awesome scene, and that he's like trying to. It's like an eighty-year-old man. Talk to the the little kids, and Willem Dafoe comes over and like throws him out of the motel, but in a really uh. Yeah, he's like, way. "What are you doing here?" And he's like, "I'm thirsty. I wanted a soda." He's like, "He came to this motel to get a soda." Yeah, so let's he go walks get a into soda. a soda machine. Yeah, makes him buy a soda, and he's like. What, you're not going to drink it? He just smacks it right out of the hand, his hand. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, I wish we all had a Willem Dafoe in our life. Yeah, He's right. After us. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and uh, his son was the guy from uh, Three Billboards. And Get Out, yeah. Caleb Landry yeah. Jones. Kind of weird that this established actor just had, like, a small cameo, Tiny but cool. it was pretty cool. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, I give it a 9 out of 10. Even better <laughs> than Lady Bird. I think it's... Like, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, go ahead. I, like I said, I didn't... Did not enjoy it. Uh, did really nothing for me. But, I mean, all the performances were good. The cinematography was good. Yes. Um, yes. The score was pretty good. Yeah. So I, coming from... Coming from that, I'm going to give it like a 5 out of 10. <laughs> it's my number 4 movie of 2017. Alright, I can't wait to shoot it down later in the year. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Um... Yeah, I got Blade Runner, number one, Dunkirk, number two, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which I'm hoping we can talk about soon, number three, Florida Project, number four, Star Wars The Last Jedi, number five, Meyerowitz Stories, number six, Thor Ragnarok, number seven, uh, what was it, It Comes at Night, number eight, Mother, number nine, The Shape of Water, number ten, and I think Lady Bird, like, number eleven. Nice, nice. So... Cool, cool. You watch anything else, movie-wise? No, not really. Yeah, I, I, was, I was meaning to watch the Netflix release that new Cloverfield movie. Yeah, I meant to watch it, too. Uh, I'm going to try to catch it uh, this week. But Yeah, me too. Um, it's it's a, yeah, pretty released. official how they did that. Yeah, I thought that was genius and awesome. I'm sure they got a ton of looks on that. Uh, yeah. I heard the movie sucks, but I still want to see it. And, they uh, did yeah, that was cool. They released it immediately after the uh, the Super Bowl. The movie yeah, was available. The Cloverfield sequel, uh, Cloverfield Paradox. Pro- Paradox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that the, uh, the last Cloverfield was that good either. Really, I really, really liked the the last one, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, I'm sorry. Cameron. I didn't think it was as good as the original, but yeah. I I enjoyed it greatly. We reviewed it on the Red Box Report. Check it out. <laughs> Uh, I only watched a couple things. I watched Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, boy. This movie's taken over the world. Like It's really? like $850 million worldwide that it's made. Damn. It's a huge hit, like out of nowhere. I thought it looked terrible uh, when I saw the trailers and just hearing who was in it. The Rock, um, Kevin Hart, Jack Black. And But it got was getting good reviews and it was making a ton of money. So I'm like, all right, I'll check this out. And uh, first of all, Mackenzie, my daughter, she liked it quite a bit. She was into it. Um, but it's pretty good. It's definitely yeah. a, a pleasant surprise based off of what I thought it would be. It's not great. <clears throat> it's definitely not great. But uh, yeah, it's a fun movie. It's definitely like a fun blockbuster, take the kids to see it type of thing. Um, Nothing like the original, I'm sure. I mean, I just... Uh, Recently rewatched the original. And the original's okay. I mean, it's. I probably like the original better, mostly from nostalgia purposes alone. Yeah, but, I haven't uh, seen it in like ten years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't hold up probably quite as much as you remember, but it's not bad. But yeah. um, the sequel, you know, instead of a board game, it's like <laughs> it's a it's a video game, but. It, it starts off where it was. it's a board game, but then it's like in the possession of someone who's playing a video game and it kind of merges. It's kind of weird how it sets it up, but yeah. instead of like the kids playing this board game and Jumanji coming to life in the real world, they get sucked into the video game as these avatars that are uh, completely different than themselves 
and hilarity ensues. Well, at least mildly chuckle-worthy jokes ensue. Uh, the original terrified me as a kid. Yeah, it definitely had some scary elements. Because even Mackenzie <laughs> was getting scared from the the original. I guess this is much more just like an action movie, you know. Yeah. But uh, The Rock is pretty good in it. Everyone's pretty good in it. it, it I don't know. It was just pleasant. It was uh, a worthwhile watch, easy sit. Worth checking out, you know, on TV or Netflix or something like that eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only other movie I will... I'll give it a 7 out of 10, by the way. Oh, and the only other movie I watched was Molly's Game. Which, have you heard of it? Uh, I've heard of it. I don't really know anything about it. It's about Molly something or other, who was a, like, Olympic, I think Olympic-level skier who, she gets injured, and then she has to figure out what she's going to do with her life, based on a real story, real book, I believe, biography, Molly's Game. Yeah, for sure it is, because Michael Sarah's character in this, uh, apparently, is based off of Tobey Maguire. He's a real douchebag. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh... Molly, in that stead, she starts working for this guy who does, like, you know, behind-the-scenes, under-the-table poker games with rich celebrities and just really rich people. And she starts working for him until, finally, she starts up her own game. She steals all of his, like, players and sets up her own thing, making all this money, running all these poker games, where Tobey Maguire slash Michael Sarah is a big part of it, and, uh... Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, who did is his directorial debut. He was the writer behind Steve Jobs and The Social Network. Which Steve Jobs? Is there a couple? The one with Michael Fassbender, Jobs. Oh, okay. Or no, not yeah. Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jobs well, that, was not the, Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, not the Ashton Kutcher. Uh, I actually saw that maybe. It probably Not sucked. The Fastbender one. The Fastbender one's great. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Molly's Game, I was really intrigued because Jessica Chastain is plays Molly, and she's probably one of, if not my favorite actress working today. Really love her. Yeah, and, she's uh, really good. Uh, yeah, so I was interested on that alone. In fact, it was written by Aaron Sorkin. I like poker movies, like Rounders, and I'm sure there's others. Um... <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was uh, it was okay. It was it was a little disappointing. It wasn't quite as like I don't know. I just didn't feel like the tension ramped up as much as I was kind of expecting it to. But it, it is certainly an interesting story. Again, kind of like Jumanji. I liked it a little bit more than Jumanji, but just an easy sit, easy watch, fun movie, but nothing mind blowing. There's more like there's a lot of narration that I think. Yeah kind of falls flat but I don't know I thought it was a pretty good movie but nothing great 7 out of 10 as well sound like me with Mission to Mars <laughs> no this is <laughs> twice as good as Mission to Mars <laughs> uh, but, uh, that movie sucked I gave it a 7 <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> the standard bearer <laughs> alright let's transition out to the Super Bowl trailers you know always a big thing you know, other than the big game itself, I feel like, you know, the commercials and the trailers are, like, the biggest focal point, you know? Yeah. 
So this year we had quite a few. I guess the biggest, you know, most headline making of the trailers was Solo. Solo, YOLO, a Star Wars story. The first time we got to see any footage from this movie. They had like a 40 second teaser for the Super Bowl commercial, but then they released the full trailer yesterday. Um, what did you think? Uh, I, I thought it was cool. Uh, me and Funny Me and Dave were just talking last week about how the movie's coming out soon. They haven't released anything on it. So yeah, it comes out in May. I guess they, yeah, I guess they're saving it for. Uh, they were saving it for the Super Bowl. That's right. But yeah, I thought it looked great. I thought the trailer was awesome. Um, I didn't. I didn't even know it was coming out Memorial Day. It's pretty soon. Usually, they come out like holiday season with the Star Wars movies. Yeah, well, traditionally, it always came out in May, but then The Force Awakens got delayed to December, and then it kind of, like, did so well that they kept pushing the other ones to December to, like, follow in its tracks, so, yeah. I think the design was always to do them in, around May, but just for whatever reason, that December, you know, time frame really worked for them. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, was, I, I wasn't, like, really anticipating this movie. So, but I, I was uh, uh, pleased with the trailer. Probably definitely going to see it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, definitely coming in with the lowest expectations of any of the Star Wars movies since Disney bought them. Just yeah. because I want to see new original stuff. This seems I'm not as interested when they're just taking the old characters, doing a prequel, doing a re like I don't know. It just give me something fresh and new, like the Last Jedi. You know, over the Rogue One, which Rogue One was great, but I don't know. I'm more interested in like the new trilogies. Like they just announced that the guys that made Game of Thrones are doing their own series of Star Wars movies to go along with Ryan Johnson's series of Star Wars movies. So I'm I'm kind of more intrigued by that than like the Obi Wan movie or the Han Solo movie. But from the little bit that we saw, I mean, it looked like a Star Wars movie. You know, look yeah, look cool. I mean. I was actually pleasantly surprised with what I saw. I know I've seen a lot of people shit-talking it, but I don't know. I'm going to try to keep an open mind, but I'm still coming in with, you know, it's definitely not one of my most anticipated movies of the year or the summer even. Yeah, I feel like the production movies on the Star Wars uh, are always going to be so high and so good that no matter what, they're going to be good in their own yeah, way. Yeah, there's going to be a baseline, right, level of enjoyment <laughs> most likely. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, how about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? The second little trailer-type thing we've seen from this movie. Did you happen to check this out? Yeah, I thought it looked awesome. Um, really? Uh, yeah, but I liked Jurassic World a lot, and uh, I'm looking forward to this big I enjoyed Jurassic World enough. I mean, that movie sucked. I gave it a 7. Like, no, I literally... <laughs> I gave it a 7, but I can see where all the complaints are coming from. I don't think it was a great movie, but I thought it was like a fun blockbuster for what it was. Yeah. Uh, I do admit that this Super Bowl spot I liked a lot better than the first trailer for the movie, which was basically like all it showed was the volcano erupting and, you know, it, it just seemed really cheesy. This was a little bit better. I liked how it had some horror elements, like a, a velociraptor sneaking up on some kid in bed or something. Yeah. Like, that was kind of uh, weird. Interesting, but... Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of... 
I'm not expecting much. I'm, I don't even think I can expect to give it as high as a 7 out of 10, but maybe those lowered expectations will, uh, will help. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. It's win-win, baby. <laughs> uh, how about the new Mission Impossible movie, Fallout? Mission Impossible 6, directed by uh, McLaren. Fuck. Never mind. Uh, I forget who the director was. But it, no, it's Christopher McQuarrie. That's what it is. It's the same guy that did the last one, Rogue, Rogue yeah. uh, Nation. Uh, Which wasn't bad. Um, no, I liked the last one. Did, what'd you think uh, of this? I think it looks cool. It's, they're just basically like your standard action movie these days, I feel like. Spy action movies. I don't, I don't know. I, I like the mission. I'm generally like the generic action movies are some of my least favorite movies nowadays. But I don't. I feel like Mission Impossible is pretty much, for the most part, stayed pretty quality. Some of the best of that type of thing. Yeah. I really liked Ghost Protocol. <clears throat> I liked Rogue Nation you know, a, a pretty good amount. I liked Rebecca Ferguson in that, and it seems like she's back here. I don't know. Seems like more of the same, but in a good way. Yeah, it's like kind of not quite the same, but uh, like Star Wars, the production zones are so high that you're gonna. I feel like they'll be good in their own way, just from that. But I was like, all I could think of when I was watching this. Have you seen the clip of Tom Cruise breaking his ankle doing that jump from building to building stunt? I didn't see. It. No, I heard about it, but I didn't. Oh my god! It made I, all I could think about. Like, was like that and it was like queasy I think I heard I was watching. an audio clip of the video but I didn't actually see the video oh my god he jumps from the clip I think is actually in the trailer or they either redid the stunt oh wow okay but I mean he like hits the edge of this building and his foot I mean his toes basically touch his shin damn oh it's like oh it makes me like cringe just thinking about it but so I was like uh Queasy watching it. I just saw that clip like two days prior. Yeah. All I can think about as soon as it started it playing. It seems like his character's taking a beating in this movie. Yeah. You know, it seems like it's well, almost a good thing theme. it's Tom Cruise. Yeah, I know. If anyone's going to take a beating, let it be a Scientologist. Uh, what about Avengers Infinity War? We did get a trailer of this before, but this is another look. Basically, it was just saying a flash to like forty different characters in thirty seconds to get you hyped. But yeah, um, I don't even know if I saw that. Yeah, it was kind of basically a shorter version of the first trailer with a couple new things here or there, but nothing crazy. I I don't think they really need to do much for this. I mean, it's going to probably be one of the biggest. I mean, no, no probably about it. It's going to be one of the biggest movies of the year. So. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. How about hmm, Skyscraper, the the <clears> new <throat> movie with The Rock, where basically all I know about the movie is he's going to jump from one building into a skyscraper? <laughs> I have no idea. It seems like the stupidest thing. It seems like you're taking <laughs> San Andreas, which he was in, and rampage and combining the two i don't know which he's in rampage as well he's the rock yeah. is in every generic action movie nowadays i know he is like the today's action star when i i cannot stand him in movies to be honest yeah i haven't liked i mean i think he cares <coughs> whoa <laughs> i think he's a charismatic guy like i don't not like the rock but 
I don't know. It seems like, like he's just other, like, he's just taking paychecks, you know. Yeah, uh, probably huge paychecks at that. Oh yeah, no doubt about but, it. Uh, I feel like he's better with Kevin Hart being funny. Yeah, yeah, I like those two together. Yeah. Uh, did you see that trailer for that horror movie, A Quiet Place? No, that looked pretty cool. Really? Uh, yeah, it's got Emily Blunt and. Someone else that I like, I think. I like Emily Blunt a lot. I just think she's a great actress, but I don't know. It seemed kind of reminiscent of It Comes at Night, which I know we both liked. Uh, I would definitely check out this trailer. It looks, looks pretty cool. This could be your horror fix for the, nice. or at least one of them for this year. So When's it come out? I want to say it was like April, yeah, right. if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I was surprised that a, a movie... You know, it seemed like that small in scale would get a Super Bowl trailer, but yeah, good for it. Hope it does well. Uh, only a couple more. Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence, basically as you know, what was that movie with Charlize Theron? Atomic Blonde uh-huh. seemed kind of yeah, like yeah. Atomic Blonde mixed with the Black Widow character from Avengers. I did not realize it was Jennifer Lawrence like the first twenty seconds of watching this, Seems just because like, the yeah. Russian accent. Yeah. Seems cool. Uh, I like yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. I like these kind of spy action movies uh, from time to time. So I'm interested. I'll check yeah, it out. Cloverfield Paradox we kind of talked about. The trailer didn't blow me away. All that I really knew was that Cloverfield was in the title and it will be on Netflix. And I was like, sold. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, weird that they made this into like a universe. But I heard this is supposed to like tie the two movies together. Or I guess three now. Yeah, apparently. So, and I I heard the fourth one's already finished shooting. So, might see that sooner rather than later. Yeah, it was a cool way to drop a movie. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and lastly, Westworld season two got the trailer. First time HBO ever did a Super Bowl trailer. Really? Yeah. I yeah, didn't... it comes up pretty soon, right? Yeah, again was I think it was April again, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't need much to get hyped. You know, all I had yeah. to do was see the the characters in in their costumes and be like, "Oh my God, Westworld!" <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, seemed pretty cool. Definitely, I'm yeah. stoked. All right, that brings us to the actual Super Bowl, which coming into it, I was like super down on it. Probably the least excited I've been about a Super Bowl in quite a while. Just because it's Patriots and Eagles, two teams I don't like, and yeah. just seems so predictable that the Patriots were going to win yet again, and um, yeah, so I did not do any, did no get-togethers, didn't have anybody over. It was just me and Sam and the kids. Just I know it was on TV. We're watching it, you know, but we're also on our yeah. phones or whatever. Turned out to be a hell of a game. I guess uh, I was surprised they even watched it. It was. I just trying to do anything on Saturday, and same thing. I just happened to be watching it on TV. I had nothing better to do. Um, it was a high-scoring game, but there was absolutely no defense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no defense whatsoever. It was basically like a college football game, the way it was. Yeah. Uh, you know. Even the way, I mean, the Eagles played a lot of uh, trick plays. Yeah, and it was like chunk yardage on most plays, like, just ripping 20-yard chunks at a time on these passes. It was the most yards ever in an NFL game. Not just Super Bowl, not just playoffs in any really? NFL Holy game. Really? Holy shit. Yeah, in the Super Bowl. I thought it was a highly entertaining game. I 
got much more than I bargained for and was super happy that the Eagles pulled off the upset. Absolutely. Super happy that Brady got strip sacked. Oh, my God. I was, like, hoping he was cr- would cry. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but fucking uh, the Patriots probably made the most questionable coaching decision of all time with benching Butler for curfew. Uh, violations. It's probably because, you know, they're so high and mighty. We don't need, watch. We'll bench our best player and our defensive player and uh, still win this game. Yeah, see how that worked out for him. I mean, yeah. what wow. a fucking jackass move that is. What a story, though. Uh, Nick Foles. I mean, the guy, Carson Wentz, is like basically NFL MVP for 14 weeks, gets hurt out for the season. Devastating. Eagles fans, I'm sure, are like, well, there goes the season. We were so good for so long. Foles comes in, doesn't play great for the rest of the regular season. Then in the playoffs, he turns into Joe Flacco circa 2012 or whenever he had that magical run. You know, like, yeah. all of a sudden, Nick Foles is amazing, at least for these three games. And now he's, he might get, you know, I feel bad for whatever team, like, trades first-round draft picks to get him or – like, I still think he's just basically a backup who got put into a situation where they were able to just Shine. utilize and, you know, like, yeah, really, I really like the Eagles good, Playing that good and getting Super Bowl MVP, it's like Flacco. I mean, he, I, I mean, I think he had a good season that year, but like you said in the playoffs, he went on that magical run and same thing, Super Bowl MVP, and he got the biggest, at the time, the biggest quarterback contract of all time. So. He got paid, and then he stopped giving up. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like Foles is going to be the same thing. Hopefully he doesn't give up, but uh, well, Foles I, played the Eagles prior and left and came back. I thought I always liked him. I thought he was not a bad quarterback. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought he was going to be good the first time he left the Eagles, right? Because, yeah, he was like the backup to someone else. Alex Smith or somebody? I don't know. No, not Alex Smith. Gosh darn it. I should know this. But, yeah, he right, he got a chance before, and I thought he was going to be good then. Then he went to the Rams, right, and did nothing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the Eagles are in an amazing position now where they could trade him for a first-round pick or two and still have Carson Wentz, you know, a young stud quarterback. Uh, if I was Check them, out. I'd trade him in a heartbeat. I, I don't care. This is Trent Dilfer all over again. Yeah. Well, how serious is uh, Wentz's injury fairly serious but I think he'll be back for right around opening day next yeah. year so I, mean, I feel like they'll probably keep him around just in case and then maybe once I Wentz mean but why sound. if you can tra- if if someone's willing to give you a first round draft pick you trade him in a heartbeat I don't care if Wentz is out for four weeks six weeks you just sign someone else if you can get yeah. a first pick for a guy who you know, you're not is going to be a backup at best. Uh, I don't know. They might burn the city of Philadelphia down if they do. <laughs> they already did. They already did. Uh, yeah. I mean, then you could have your courting controversy if you even keep him around, right? Because a lot of people are going to be like, "We just want Nick Foles to be the quarterback." You don't want that when you're a successful team and you got went to you know first round first yeah. pick. And, Wentz yeah. got two votes for league MVP. Yeah. And um, I just love that play, the trick play at the end of the half, right? Um, what, the Foles touchdown? Yeah, when he called it. Yeah. And just yeah. the 
parallel to Which, Tom Brady dropping yeah, the pass. Yeah, just tried that. <laughs> that was brilliant. That Which was is so funny. I mean, as good as Tom Brady is, he is like the most least athletic motherfucker out there. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> he's so, like, clumsy and stiff. It was, like, funny to see him just fucking <laughs> bobble and drop that ball. A hot take alert. Him and his wife are not that attractive. <laughs> I've never considered Tom Brady's attractive to this, but... Well, you know, like... Giselle's not bad looking for a fucking MILF model. I, I never really got it with her. I mean, I get it, but it wasn't really... I'm not, I've never been into, like, supermodels. I, I don't get the appeal of why they're so hot. Yeah, ew. <laughs> but you know what I mean? A lot of them are like... Not what I look for in women is super skinny. That's yeah, figure. Yeah, I don't really like super skinny girls. I mean, no offense yeah. to any that are super skinny. Yeah, I, I don't either. But... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, I won't know where that came from. Oh yeah, my hot take. Uh, but, but yeah, what'd you think of the halftime show? I, I thought it was good. I really loved the, the nod to Prince. Um, I like Justin Timberlake. I think he's super talented. Uh, I think it's Absolutely. weird how all of a sudden he's a beard where he like has a beard and he's wearing flannel and all this stuff. I feel like he's had a beard for a while now. But Maybe I don't know. I, I thought, I thought it was dumb as shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like a good meme going around, like uh, like one of those like, what do you want to wear? Make me look like I just walked out of a thrift store, dollar fifty <laughs> less rich. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I thought it was good. I, there's definitely been a lot better halftime shows, but for what it was and for being in uh, Minnesota, that nod to Prince was cool. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I didn't really care either way for the whole thing, really. I mean, it was fine. I I liked when the Trolls song came on, song from the Trolls soundtrack, because uh, we all started dancing, because the kids liked that <laughs> movie. But... Nice. Uh, I don't know. The Prince thing, I guess it was cool as like an ode to him, but I don't know. Didn't really do much for me. Either way, you know, didn't hate it, didn't love it. Yeah. I thought it was one of the most boring halftime shows in a long time. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, this is the first time Justin Timberlake's been back since ripping off Janis Jackson's tit, right? He ripped off what? <laughs> you don't remember that? He, I know what you're saying. He did rip off her tit, but he <laughs> yeah, showed exposed. the world. There's, yeah, yeah. But she just conveniently had a fucking nip cover on. <laughs> because it was planned. Come on. Yeah, I know. But it was um, like the biggest controversy. I mean, that was a long time ago. Now it was like twelve years ago. I was ago. fully expecting her to make a cameo and like rip off his pants to reveal just like a cup or something. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like usually halftime shows have a lot of like guest appearances and stuff. And yeah, at least even there wasn't. <laughs> even if it's crazy, like at least Lady Gaga was entertaining. It was from a, just like a visual standpoint, and yeah. Katy Perry had a shark flying through the air, and yeah, Beyonce yeah. was pretty cool. I thought yeah, I didn't like Beyonce's, but uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bland as far as halftime shows yeah. go. But. That's the NFL for you. Yeah. How'd you like the commercials? Uh, I like the Crocodile Dundee fake movie trailer one. Yeah. Yeah, it was but, a good um, one. Uh, 
No, I don't know. I think my favorite, my favorite was, and I think it played before the actual game started. It was the Danny, one of the Danny DeVito Eminem ones, and he's just like swimming in a big pool of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like chocolate Eminem. It's like classic Danny DeVito. It was funny. I'm sure I would recognize a bunch if I like saw highlights or an article rating the best ones or whatever, but nothing off the top of my head. No, it was pretty forgettable, and I thought a lot of them were very similar. There was a lot of, like, baby and family content to a lot of the commercials, and like they were trying to, I don't know. There's not many, like, funny ones. Usually there's, like, some really good, uh, funny Super Bowl commercials that was definitely lacking in that. I feel like it's every year everyone says, you know, commercials suck this year. Maybe they yeah. were never good. There's, there was a good one of like this real rich guy in this big house, like small business, put him out of business, and they like launch something right in his nuts, or a like a kicker kicks a ball right in his nuts. I don't know, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, sorry, distracted, never. God, you're a great host. I left you hanging there. Sorry. <laughs> I thought I, I saw a tweet, an MMA related tweet, and I didn't know if it was an update uh, to any of these news stories, but it was not at all. Well, and we'll then, be the first to break it. And then I just got lost reading it and not paying attention to what you were saying. <laughs> so, with that said, let's transition to MMA. How about that one? That was great. <laughs> All right, so you had UFC Fight Night 125 in Belém, Brazil this past Saturday. Pretty solid fight night card on Fox Sports 1, I thought. Uh, I think we both managed to see all, if not most, of the card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, main event was... Uh, there's actually quite a bit of controversy in this uh, on this fight night here. Starting yeah, yeah. with the decision in the main event where Leota Machida defeated... Eric Anders by split decision. What? Yeah. How do you get that? Yeah. Um, basically, this. Look, I'm not going to say Anders like dominated him or looked incredible. I mean, he should have been more aggressive, but he clearly. Boring fight, but. Can, yeah, he controlled the octagon, which I know is not like the main. Cheetah style like leads to that, but. Yeah, but. When he hit Machida, he hurt him. And he yeah. never really was in any trouble whatsoever in this fight. One judge gave it 49-46 for Machida, which I'm like, how do you give Machida how? four yeah. rounds? Like, maybe three yeah. I could slightly see. I but, tuned into this live, and it was already, like, two and a half rounds in, and I still was like, how the fuck did Luis Machida win this fight? <laughs> no, I mean, clearly Anders is the better fighter. Uh you know, I mean, I of course I appreciate Machida for what he's done, but the guy's done. I literally done. Um, yes. He just doesn't have it. His chin is non-existent. He's slowed down. It's it's unfortunate, but he got the win in Brazil. What do you know? Yeah, I don't know what it does for him because anybody with two eyes can see that he lost that fight. I feel like yeah. I'm pretty sure the UFC is basically going to treat this as a win for Anders and just move on with his career as if he would have won, you know. Rightfully so. This can't hurt him too, but yeah, I agree. I definitely thought he won this fight, and 
And Machida called out Michael Bisping for the retirement fight. Hopefully, it's a double retirement fight if it happens. Yeah, that would be a good fight though for two oldies. Yeah, seniors um, tour. I I guess I would. As much as I like Leona, I would love to see Michael Bisping just knock him out. Oh my god! Just to see Bisping go out on a high note. I've come to like Bisping. And Machida, who gives a fuck how he goes out, right? Yeah, no, he should probably, Machida should probably retire now. It's never going to get as good as this. Yeah, I mean, this whole game was like that fast twitch reflex, which is just gone. Now it's just slow twitch reflex. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yes, co-main event, because John Dodson versus Pedro Munoz got pulled because Pedro Munoz missed weight. And John Dodson said, Namas, I'm on the last fight of my contract. Ain't going to do it. You're going to, you know, let's reschedule yeah, it. As opposed I didn't to realize it was his last fight of the contract. That makes a lot more sense. I was kind of yeah. hating on him. You were like, being ridiculous. But <laughs> I completely agree with the assessment of Don, John Dodson here. Why risk it? You know, this is, it's like if I show up to work one time and follow all the rules, but... You know, my boss, I don't know, that doesn't make, my fellow employee shows up late, you know, is doing things wrong. Uh, okay, it's not exactly a, a one, for one for one comparison, but, uh, you know, like, this is a job. He showed up, he was yeah. on weight, he was ready to fight. The other guy missed weight, and, I, yeah. I, I totally get that, but it's just like... And I don't know if it's a knock against anybody. I feel like there's a lot of fighters out there that they fly down to Brazil, did a whole camp, and yeah, uh, maybe they would take the five. I mean, five pounds is five pounds. It's like you said, it's a big difference when they rehydrate. But I feel like there's a lot of guys that would have taken that fight. And you look I don't at... know. I don't know if this is like, like I I feel like like that would be something John Jones did. He wouldn't fight somebody over five pounds, but I feel like somebody maybe out of a different camp or a different mindset would and i feel like dots and pulling out of that fight had a lot to do with like the great jackson influence probably maybe but if you look at i don't know why i said it like that um <laughs> if you look at the statistics every time someone misses weight like for the past two years yeah the fighter that missed weight wins the fight yeah. it's a huge advantage and usually we, like if somebody missed weight, it's like a pound, pound and a half, not five pounds. And That's like we basically giving up on cutting weight. There's literally a prime example on this same exact card because Michelle Prezeris missed weight badly, five pounds. And then a gr Des Green, Desmond Green agreed to go on with the fight as long as Prezeris came in the night of the fight at no more than 173 pounds. He shows up the night of the, the day of the fight, 180 pounds. What? Yeah, and Green's like, fine, I'll do it anyway. And he gets dominated by the much bigger guy. Yeah, uh, of and course. I feel like, like that was probably, like, Dobson's probably in a bunch better position to turn down the fight than a Desmond Green would be. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, yeah, I think, and they rebooked it, they rescheduled it for UFC 222 in March, in a few weeks, basically, and, you know, no harm, no foul. But he's in like he's he's at a more upper end of the division. He has two losses. Two of his last four fights, he lost split decisions, both of them. And 
Yeah, it's important fight for him. I, I have no problems with it. Yeah, apparently there was like a hot water. There was no hot water at the players' hotel, which is a fucking UFC. How how does that happen? Yeah, that's yeah, insane. All kinds of fighters try to cut weight, and they have no hot water in their hotel. It's I like do ridiculous. not want to hear Colby Covington's opinion on that. <laughs> that guy is the worst. Um, Valentina Shevchenko, speaking of controversy, uh, defeated Priscilla Co. Cocheria, 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 something like that. Um, UFC debuting fighter at 125 pounds, Shevchenko making her debut at that weight class, and Mario Yamasaki was like, "Yo, kill this girl," because <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of outrage. The, insane, and this is Yamasaki sucks. He's always sucked. He's always gonna suck. He does this all the time. I feel like he. Nine times out of ten, if you see a guy didn't stop the fight in time, and you're like, man, stop the fight, stop the fight, you look up, oh, it's Mario Yamasaki. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, I mean, Chef, this fight should have been stopped two minutes into the fight. Yeah. She's just crushed her. She was just destroying her face, like crimson mask, like unbelievable. And it never got stopped by strikes. <laughs> she had to submit her. She's like, fine, I'll just choke you out. You know, make you tap instead. And I, I mean, insane. I guess like I'm not a Priscilla for being that tough, but God, that's probably took fights off her career, if not well, years. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, this is why you need the most important job: the referee. You're the one that has the most control over the health of these people in there to, you know, at least limit the damage as much as possible. This is a sport, for God's sakes. This yeah. isn't John Claude Van Damme blood sport. <laughs> like, Flight to the death. <laughs> yeah, this is not Mortal Kombat. <laughs> but also, but it's, it's a good win for Valentina. Um, I mean, if clearly she's what a mismatch. Like I don't understand yeah. the matchmaking, but she's clearly incredible. Uh, you know, she she probably should hold the bantamweight title right now. She's going to go fight Nico Montagna, and she's going to beat her easily. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe we can finally get something going with this, this division once we get a real champ in there. Yeah, and I would like to – I like her. She's got good personality and carries yeah. herself well. I would like to see her as a champion. I agree. I, re- I like her as well. She's n- not always the most entertaining fighter. No. But like you said, she's got a good personality, you know. She carries herself well, and she's incredibly talented. So, Yeah, definitely. I'm rooting for her. Already talked about Michelle Prezera's cheat-ass win over <laughs> Desmond Green. They better not cut Desmond Green after this fight. I mean, Yeah, right. He's now 1-2 in the UFC. Oh, yeah, he's like doing them a favor. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Uh, Tim Johnson defeated Marcelo Gom by decision. Pretty boring fight here. Yeah. Uh, Golem was supposed to be like this big, heavy-hitting prospect. Young kid. Looked like there's some potential there, but Timothy Johnson is just a veteran, fat like a guy. barroom brawler. Yeah, he's like Ian McCall if he ate two Ian McCalls <laughs> <laughs> with that mustache and shit. Yeah. Veteran fat dude just clinched he, him up. He looks warm like the guy out. that uh, Tom Hardy played the chill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's a good movie. Uh, I forget what it's called, but yeah, that's that's a good call as well. Um, 
Bronson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Timothy Johnson. Um, yeah, I don't know. Not much to say. I was disappointed yeah, was... because if Golem would have won, I would have won my fantasy fight on the MMA junkie forums. I know you care, but... Yep. Anyway, uh, Douglas Da Silva Andrade defeated Marlon Vera by decision. This was a pretty entertaining fight back and forth, I thought. Yeah, I didn't see this fight, actually. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite fight of the night was Tiago Santos defeating Anthony Smith by second-round knockout. Uh, yep. D- did you see it? <laughs> no, I didn't. I was you told me you saw this whole card. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, I said I saw, saw most of it because I was watching it on Sunday and I watched the prelims, but then once the main card started, the Super Bowl started, so I was oh, okay. like flicking back and forth. Gotcha. This was no. This was <laughs> this was an awesome fight. Tiago Santos, Anthony Smith. Uh, Santos knocked him out in the second round. It was impressive. I think the guy is kind of a beast, underrated fighter in the middleweight division, but. It was pretty much back and forth. Uh, Anthony Smith, at least in the first round, he's tough as nails. He's given almost as good as he was receiving. And uh, yeah, if um, if you want, if there's one fight to go back and watch from this card, this is the one. Yeah, yeah. Santos has been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he has, and um, I think his own. He, I mean, I'm going to look it up real quick because it's pretty. Uh, Pretty impressive. Uh, hold on a second. Kill some time. Um, yeah, I'm really good at killing time. You are a pro. <laughs> Tiago Santos, sure dog, is what I'm Googling. I don't know There's why. got to be on Wikipedia, No, sure dog's the best for this fight finder. He's 17-5 overall, but he is... He's only had... Okay, he has... <laughs> Alright. Wow, he has <laughs> been around a while, but... He lost to Vicente Luque in 2012. Cesar Ferreira in 2013. Uriah Hall in 2014. Gegard Musasi and Eric Spicely. Eric Spicely's the only one that like stands out as probably a fluke-ish type thing, but yeah. he's got some good wins under his belt. Nate Marquardt, Elias Theodoro, Steve Boss, A, Jack Marshman. Well, he got knocked the fuck out by Gegard at 200. Oh, yeah, I remember that fight. Yeah. I mean, Gegard Masasi's like top five, top three, pound, like middleweight in the world, so. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sergio Marias defeated Tim Means by decision. Another. Bad call, I thought, in my opinion. Means definitely won that fight. I thought Means clearly won the last two rounds. Yeah, he had a knockdown. Yeah, I guess. I I guess it's just. Uh, I don't know. It was definitely a knockdown. I feel like. I mean, the guy was already pulling guard a bunch, but and it was a close fight. I wouldn't say this was a robbery as much as Anders' fight, but to me, Means That's another like Means was more crisp asshole? and technical, where Marias was just like winging. Hail Marys, you know. Yeah, it's just like <clears throat> when you pull guard and somebody can come down into your guard and beat you up a little bit and not even attempt a submission, I feel like that should count for a takedown or something, you know what I mean? It's I don't understand how I yeah. can't like lose you around. 
Yeah, like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's Tim Means. I mean, Marias is really good jiu-jitsu player. Tim Means is a veteran, and he's he's not shabby at or not shitty at uh, jiu-jitsu. So I, yeah, I pulled he pulled guard quite a few times in the first two rounds or so, and had nothing to do with it. So I feel I don't I don't understand the decision at all. Yeah, I disagreed with it as well. Al Alan Patrick defeated Demir Hadsevich. Um, this was not the most entertaining fight. No. And I love, I mean, clear decision win for Patrick, Patrick. And uh, I love how afterwards in the post-weight interview, he's like begging for a bonus. I'm like, you got to be a little more entertaining than what that. What are you, Connor fucking McGregor? <laughs> yeah. But they chase, bye bye. But <laughs> yeah. the scoring on this one judge gave it 30-25. I mean, it was pretty dominant. Maybe yeah. not that bad, but. Yeah. Speaking of dominant, like... go ahead. No, I just feel like we've seen a lot more 10-8s recently. Well, they, Brazil adopted the new rules, that's why. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, I'll go back to my segue you ruined. Speaking of dominance, Pollyanna Viana, that's a cool name, Pollyanna Viana, defeated Maya Stevenson, Joe Daddy's wife, by first round submission, piece of cake. Yep. Gift wrapped it. Here's my neck. Choke me out. <laughs> so most like it was some kind of kinky thing. Like she was into it. It was so easy. Like <laughs> yeah, she had no defense. Anyway, Yuri Alcantara dominated Joe Soto and just obliterated him. Pretty quickly. Yep. Joe Soto having a rough time here with two quick yeah. losses: one calf slicer submission and one knockout here. Could be probably going to have to find some wins somewhere else. I would. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say probably belts were bound at this point. <laughs> and Davison Figueroa defeated Joseph Morales by first round knockout. Very, very impressive here. Uh, second round knockout. Second round knockout. Yes, that's what I said. And uh, <laughs> this was really impressive. Figueroa is three and zero in the UFC now. I thought Joseph Morales was a pretty nice prospect at flyweight, and he just made him look like an amateur. Uh, keep your eye out for Figueroa. Figueroa, Figueroa. <laughs> I don't know. All right, let's look ahead now to this weekend's action in Perth, Australia, where Robert Whitaker died of chickenpox and <laughs> left an interim title fight in his wake. Yoel Romero versus Luke Rockhold uh, for the interim title. Uh, we were talking before we started that uh, this is not a pay-per-view quality very, card. Very thin. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. I mean, I have a lot of complaints here. First of all, yeah. honestly, even if it was... I mean, Rockhold versus Whitaker is the fight I want to see, and it's the reason I'm rooting for Luke Rockhold in this fight, even though I cannot stand him. Like, that fight is just amazing. But even yeah. so, like, the rest of this card is straight garbage. Yep. I was telling you, I mean, just from, like, a hardcore fan standpoint, I can find little things in most of the fights to enjoy, but that's any card anywhere. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't even understand the placement of the fights. Like, here's the main card. Romero Rockhold. Great fight. Right? Great fight there. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Curtis Blades versus Mark Hunt. Okay. You know, that should be good. Then you got Cyril Asker versus Ty... Tuivasa, 
Lee Jing Liang versus Jake Matthews and Tyson Pedro versus Saperbeck Safarov. That's the pay per view main card. <laughs> Are you kidding <laughs> I mean, it's, me? It's got to be one of the worst in a long time. Real and yeah, until UFC 222, if that <laughs> still happens. Um, I mean, like I was telling you, like Ty Tuivasa, he's a heavyweight prospect. I'm interested to see if he can knock out Cyril Asker. Lee Jing Lang is on a roll, and I, I think him versus Jake Matthews will be entertaining fight. Tyson Pedro versus Safarov. I mean, that's decently entertaining fight as well. But what? And on the prelims. Yeah, I, Ross Pearson is fighting on the, the fight pass prelims, like you said. Like, yeah. That's more name value that you could put on there. Oh, gee. Omega. We're the UFC. Why can't... I don't understand. The flyweight division, we can't sell it. No one wants to watch any the flyweight fights. Then you look at this card. You see this pay-per-view main card, and you're like, what the hell? Then buried on the prelims. The sixth rank flyweight in the world, Juicier Formiga, is fighting the tenth round, tenth rated flyweight in the world, Ben Yuen, in a entertaining, should be highly entertaining with scrambles and yeah. jujitsu, and important fight in the flyweight division. And you wonder why you can't sell that division. Like the winner yeah. of this fight could be in line for a title shot very soon, <laughs> and both are entertaining guys to watch fight. You also have. Two very good prospects fighting on the undercard. Alex Volkanovsky, 16-1 Australian guy, against Jeremy Kennedy, 11-0 Canadian guy, who are both, I, I like them both as prospects. Winner of that puts themselves in a great position. Like, why is, even Damian Brown versus uh, the other Dung Hyung Kim is a much more entertaining fight than the ones yeah. they decided to put on there. But It's, it's mystifying in a sense, I mean... Yeah, Mark Hunt's Curtis Blades probably gonna be a fun fight, but even that's like yeah, that should be like maybe yeah, like maybe the first fight on the main card yeah or something because yeah, say the main event here got canceled, you cannot have a pay per view with Curtis Blades versus Mark Hunt as the main yeah. event. I'm okay. interested to see it. I'm rooting for Curtis Blades because I want to see some turnover, especially in the heavyweight division and Mark Hunt. Yeah. I don't know. He's so old, and he's entertaining. I'm always going to watch him fight for sure. He's entertaining, but I'd just like to see some new blood, and uh, Curtis Blades has shown a lot of promise in his career. Yeah, I can never root against Mark Hunt. Curtis Blades kind of seems like a douchebag to me. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about the main event? How do you see that fight going? I hope Rockhold fucking just destroys Romero. I'm not a fan of either of them, like, personally. No, not either. I but, like them both as fighters. Highly respect yeah. both, but... Yo Romero might be one of my least favorite fighters in a long time. Usually I'd say Luke could kick Rockholds, but... <laughs> uh, in this case, yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of want him to uh, take out the soldier of God. Yeah, I'm a it's... devil worshiper in this one here. I feel like Yomero was steroid use like um, uh, I don't know. I just don't like Romero. I don't like his uh his style. I hope Rockhold doesn't come into this fight too cocky like he's done in the past. Oh he will. You oh I, I know he will. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I mean 
it's kind of a coin flip. I could, they both have kind of similar strengths in the wrestling and, but I mean, standing, I think Romero has a little bit of an advantage and on the ground, I think Rockhold has a little bit of an advantage, but not too much either way. Yeah. It's pretty evenly matched. Yeah. I think I'll go with Rockhold by fourth round TKO. Ground and pound. Yeah. I'm going to go with, uh, second round liver kick TKO. Okay, and I'm going to do predictions for the rest of this card. Off the top of my head, don't hold me to this. Curtis Blades defeats Mark Hunt by decision. Tai Taivusa defeats Ciro Asker by first round knockout. Lee Jing Lang defeats Jake Matthews by third round knockout. Tyson Pedro defeats Saprock Saprofroff by <laughs> first round knockout. Damian Brown defeats Dong Hyun Kim by decision. Rob Wilkinson submits Israel Adesanya in the second round. Alex Volkanovsky defeats Jeremy Kennedy by decision. Ben Nguyen submits... Ooh, that would be impressive. That would be very... <laughs> Flamiga in the second round. Mizuto Hirota beats Ross Pearson by decision. Tarota Ishihara knocks out Jose Quinones in the second round in his Bantamweight debut. And Daiche Ebe defeats Luke Jume. I don't know. <laughs> by decision. I wrote them all down. I will be holding you to every one of them. It'd be amazing if I got them all right. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and say Mark Hunt knocks the fuck out of Curtis. I could Blade. certainly see that happening. Yes. Yeah. I I don't see Mark Hunt getting finished in that fight, but no. that's why I said decision. But uh, anyway, let's get to some news. It's a trash card. <laughs> yeah, it's really not great. I'm still gonna go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch the hell out of it though. All right. Um, some news. I've actually got even more news since last week. I think the biggest news, shockingly, over Anderson Silva officially failing uh, two for a diuretic and for like straight testosterone, right? Yeah. He's donezos. Yep, and now his camp is trying to get the Diaz test thrown out so he won't face a four-year suspension. So Why would he do that? Uh, because USADA was not in effect yet. Okay, well, I mean, it still happened. Which though. is still, it's bullshit, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's almost as worse. Damage control as possible. It's almost worse that you got caught before USADA was in effect. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it sucks. And like I said, this was talking to you on Facebook. I think it... Really, really tarnishes Anderson Silva in my mind. And we're always going to disagree on this, but uh, yeah. it's much like uh, Bonds and Clemens should still be in the Hall of Fame. It doesn't really change how I feel about Anderson Silva's career. Uh, I think, yeah, like, like Brian Stan said, there's a basically, like in baseball, there's a steroid era. There's a steroid era in MMA, and you can't be, you can't penalize someone when. You know, it could have been ever, anyone and everyone that was using it at the time. But yeah. I do, you know, he got caught. And that's like, it definitely tarnishes the, the end of his career. But I yeah. still look at his accomplishments and put him up there as one of the greatest of all time, overall. Yeah, and I I mean, I've always been an Anderson Silva fan, and his fights were awesome. I mean, I don't think anybody's ever done as entertaining shit in the Octagon and in fights as he has, but... Like I was saying, he destroyed a roided jail son in the second time around. Destroyed and absolutely roided Bonner. 
probably a few others, but yep. I don't know. I think it's hard it's, in my mind not to think that, uh, you know, two and two makes four. Uh, it doesn't. Oh, shit. <laughs> in Bitcoin, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think his career ended when he snapped his leg in half. That was it. Yeah, the I agree. like the, you know the like the Mike Tyson effect was gone. He was not invincible at that point. You know. Yeah. So, unfortunately. Yep, and it shows because it took five years to win another fight. <laughs> yeah, and it was a terrible decision. Yeah. But uh, uh, there'll probably be a thirty for thirty uh, on his career at some point. No, it'd be a thirty for thirty on John Jones's career. There's plenty to go around. It's really three, <laughs> 300 for 300. <laughs> but I think what the actual biggest story of the week is that UFC 222 is in some serious trouble because Max Holloway hurt his ankle. He looks like he's going to be out until the summertime. So once again, we don't get that fight between him and Frankie. And yeah, uh, much like, like UFC might. 221, it's very thin card outside. It's actually much better than 221, but maybe not much. But it's definitely better. And but it's it was another one of those things like a boxing style top heavy event where the main event was basically the only reason you'd buy it. Yeah. And uh, so now it looks like Frankie Edgar going to try to stay on the card, either fight Brian Ortega. Or Darren Elkins, most likely. Ortega. And they tried to make Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw Part 2 as a new main event. But rightfully so, in my opinion, TJ Dillashaw said, No, I'm about to get paid to fight Demetrius Johnson in a super fight in July. I'm not going to come in on short notice four weeks. I just had a kid. Yeah, and do a rematch against one of the toughest you know fights of his career. Yeah. And I mean, Garbrandt tried to offer him part of his purse to do it. It's just I hate that. I can't stand it. I want to see them when they're both at their best at a full camp, no excuses. Like, I mean, if they did it, I would obviously watch it and enjoy it and look forward to it. But you know, if you can make if if they did that fight, I, I don't think Garbrandt deserves an immediate rematch. First of all, not at all. I mean, he didn't even defend the title once. He was super impressive the way he got it, but I don't know. I like to see him at least win one first. Yeah. But even I so, agree. like, I want to see full camps. I hate these short notice fights all the time because I don't know. Just yeah, like, like you said, no excuses, especially with the bad blood between these two. It's like that would. Uh, I mean, unless TJ just starches him again, right? Um, it would I, just be like. I want Always to, something there. I want to see TJ versus DJ so bad. Yeah, I know. That's definitely probably the biggest fight of the year. That's realistic. There was rumblings of Garbrandt versus Edgar, which I would have loved to see. That would have been cool. I don't know. Would it have been at featherweight? Would have Frankie dropped down to bantamweight? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. either. I mean, that would have been that would be an awesome fight. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. From I don't think it is either. But what I'm hearing, they're, they're definitely scrambling to make something happen here. I think most likely scenario. I heard a rumor that they're going to can't like you know demote it basically from a pay per view to a 
a fight night on Fox Sports 1 and just do like Frank Yeager versus Brian Ortega as the main event and keep the rest of the card the same. Yeah, which, which makes sense. It's like the best damage control they could probably do. At least I wouldn't have to pay for it since I'm already getting yeah. that channel, you know. Yeah. And we actually do have finally a great pay-per-view in April, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, that would be a good fight. I would see, I think Frank would probably run through Ryan Ortega, but. You do? Yep. No, I mean, I, I would definitely favor Frank Yeager, don't get me wrong. But yeah. I don't think Brian Ortega is going to go down like the way Yair Rodriguez did. Yeah. I don't know. I just think uh, Frankie, as good as Ortega's jiu-jitsu is, uh, I think Frankie's like one of those guys that just has such good ground control that uh, it would just be a, a demolition. Maybe. And, I, I mean, God, could you imagine if Frankie lost? That would be devastating for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it would, it would definitely suck, especially when he's in line. We've been waiting He's been scheduled to fight the champ twice in the past three months. So yeah, I think he would Which, definitely. Who knows? We uh, might never get that fight now. Yep, so. that's crazy. Yeah, I was really looking forward to it. If he loses, I think he'll drop down to bantamweight. Finally. Yeah, uh, I don't know what else he could possibly do. Yeah, or go maybe try to go back up to lightweight since a lot's changed. I don't know, but um, last bit of news. It looks like John Fitch is headed to Bellator. John, wow, he was at World Series, right? Yeah, PFL. Whatever yeah. happened, do they still exist? Yeah, apparently they're coming back in June on NBC with their whole little season format. And uh, Yeah, that did really well for Bellator. They're losing every notable fighter that they had on the roster, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll anyway. probably fold by the end of the year but John Fitch I don't know uh, I feel like he's done been done yeah he doesn't have much left in the tank but I mean he's a name Bellator loves names so you could get yeah. John Fitch versus Roy McDonald